It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. It is a Tuesday, another warm one as uh, we take a look at uh, temperatures 15 degrees warmer than normal, a lot like yesterday ahead of a bit of a cold front that's coming through. Paul Perkins will be in in about 15 minutes. We'll talk more about that. For now, we begin our midday program with our roundtable discussion. Jason Jorgensen, Bob Brogan, and Susan Littlefield all here to talk about what they've got coming for us in the next couple hours. And as always, we'll start our discussion with Susan Littlefield. Good morning to you, Susan. Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening for a Tuesday from the Get Off at 1219 with Abe Smith. He's with Corteva AgriScience as we talk about pasture land, keeping the weeds and the cedar trees at bay for better grazing opportunities. And then today starts a series that we are going to have on Tuesdays and Wednesdays during the month of June for the next four weeks on cruising with biofuels. Roger Berry with the Nebraska Ethanol Board joins us for the first day as we talk about the ethanol industry. And then Shabella Guzman will wrap everything up at 117 as we look at alfalfa weevils and some concerns they're seeing in the western part of the state. That's the midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen, the uh, receiving core for the University of Nebraska football team. Looks like it'll be getting some uh, needed help earlier on. You hope. Uh, hope. Omar Manning, a kid that they're very excited about. He's considered to be one of the top JUCO kids in the country. Uh, he had to finish up some schoolwork down in Texas. It sounds like that's completed. Hmm. They now send his transcript to NU. They take a look at it. They see if he will be eligible and good to go in the fall. And if that's the case, then he could be there with the Huskers maybe by the weekend uh, going through their voluntary workouts. Is there any word on J.D. Spielman? Have you seen anything that? That is one of the biggest questions Hmm. of the summer. People are wondering where he will end up. Will he play? He's been working out in Omaha, which is odd. So that kind of gives folks some hope that maybe he will stick around, but he's been kind of distant from his teammates, so I, w- I wouldn't count on him. Yeah. But that's the pessimist in me. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't count on J.D. Spielman. But Manning, you have to be excited about it. He's mm. a big dude, 6'4", 225 pounds, bigger receiver in that Husker offense. Speaking of voluntary workouts, they started yesterday for the Huskers. We'll get one national uh, analyst's uh, thoughts on how all of this works out. Not everyone is beginning at the same time, but there's probably no way to do that. It's just voluntary workouts. Also, we'll talk about NBA legend Wes Unseld. He passed away at the age of 74. There was a guy who did a lot of good things for Washington basketball back in the day. And there's not been a lot of good things that's (laughs) happened in Washington back in the bullet days. Uh, The Wizards couldn't even win with Michael Jordan for two years. What's that tell you? Yeah. Good point. Very good. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. And uh, stocks are uh, eh, kind of mixed again a little bit. I'd say that's probably the best way to put it. Um, Stocks trading higher on Wall Street, uh, but uh, things are kind of back and forth. Some of it having to do with the protesting that's going on and Mm -hmm. Wondering what's going to come of that and whether things are going to calm down. The price of crude oil rose again, which helped energy companies. Also, sales at Land's End, uh, probably where some people shop, but uh, yours truly doesn't. Um, (laughs) Fell a little bit in the first quarter due to weakening demand caused by the virus outbreak and They're hoping for better things again, as everybody else is. That's all coming up on Mid... 
KRVN, 93.1 The River, and Cami have always blazed new trails. This year is no different. We're giving you a chance to win a brand new Chevrolet Blazer. And not just any Blazer. A 2020 Blazer loaded with extra details like tinted windows and a custom paint job. For your first look, go to krvn.com and check it out. Be listening because we'll be giving more details on how you can get registered to win the Blazer this fall. We are blazing new trails. Thanks to these partners. Eustace Body Shop. Eustace. Cozad. Lexington. Kearney. Grand Island. And Lincoln. Heartland Chevrolet and Buick. Lexington. Nutrien Ag Solutions. Suretop Angus and Charlet. Farnham. Cornerstone Bank. Member FDIC. With 43 locations serving Nebraska. Central Valley Irrigation. Holdridge. Lexington. Kearney. Nebraska Land. Kansas Land. Colorado Land Tire Group. And Lexington Regional Health Center. It is time for us to check in on our weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with me on another hot day. If you liked yesterday, you'll probably like today. Yes, because even more heat expected for today. Slightly warmer than what we saw yesterday. A lot of us were in the low to mid-90s yesterday. Today, more so in the mid to upper 90s, just ahead of a cold front that's starting to make its way across the Nebraska Panhandle. Now, when we say cold front, we're not talking <laughs> yeah. about temperatures really changing a lot. It's more about cool, cool front. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. It's a cool front that might bring a couple storms with it, and that's yeah, that's about it. Exactly. And, and in this case, it's going to be kind of a not-as-warm front for tomorrow <laughs> and behind us as, as it does move through. But it is kicking up potentially a little bit of sprinkle activity right now into western areas of Nebraska from near Valentine down to about the Sydney area, but probably not a lot of that making it to the ground. Temperatures are more so, though, in the low and mid-70s as you head into the panhandle compared to a lot of us with temperatures right now low and mid-80s and currently at 93 at Ray, Colorado already, Scott, there. so <laughs> Ray, and yesterday it was Burlington. They are just, they're hitting it there hard. I'll exactly, you, and they're kind of right in front of that uh, cold front, yeah, so that compressed heating really helping to warm things up there. And, and again, you're looking at Thedford with high temperatures again, so maybe some more of those coming off the sand hills, maybe? Like exactly, yeah. Right? Westerly winds there, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 89 on the temperature right now in the Thedford area, so those westerly downslope winds off the sand hills coming on in. But just to end of a cold front today, we will once again be breezy, hot temperatures that are 15 degrees above normal for this time of year. That cold front, the focus for some thunderstorms this afternoon and evening as it starts to move through the region. The strong to severe storms are possible, especially in northeast Nebraska, where the Storm Prediction Center does have a slight risk for severe storms. Quarter-sized hail and damaging winds up to 60 are possible. And behind that front, temperatures will be just a little bit cooler for tomorrow. They'll cool slightly to about 10 degrees above normal compared to 15 degrees above normal for today. We will have some easterly winds tomorrow that won't be quite as strong. Storms expected to fire to the west along the high plains tomorrow. Track east by tomorrow afternoon through tomorrow night. Severe storms possible in a larger area for tomorrow from the Storm Prediction Center. Right now, slight risk of severe storms tomorrow in central, southern, and western Nebraska into northern Kansas. Now, our highs return to the 90s on Thursday when the high-pressure ridge starts to expand back to the northeast. Ridge-running thunderstorm chances, those thunderstorms that kind of run on the outer edge of a ridge of high pressure, that a chance of a thunderstorm continues through Thursday night. Friday into the weekend, though, will be mainly dry as that ridge starts to move overhead once again. Thunderstorm chances and slightly cooler temperatures move in for next week, 
with some low pressure tracking across the plains. But it doesn't look like it's going to be too much of a cool down. The latest long-term forecast continues the prediction of warmer than normal temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through June 15th. So we are looking at the first half of June being above normal on temperatures. The better chances of above normal temperatures are early next week. And keep in mind, summer officially rises five days later after this time period on June 20th. So we could be looking at a early start to summer, wow. but who knows? You know, we've, we've seen that before, and then it cools out late July into August. True, so, very so. true. Anyway, rainfall looks to be mainly near normal in Nebraska and mostly below normal in Kansas for Sunday through the 15th. Key weather factors moving the markets include a combination of heat and thunderstorms for the central U.S. and periods of rain for crop areas of both Europe and the Black Sea region. Parts of the southern and eastern Corn Belt remain unfavorably wet. Topsoil moisture rated 38% surplus in Michigan and ranged around 30% surplus in Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. Hot weather will continue to expand in coverage across much of the nation over the next several days. The Midwest heat would be a concern if the soil conditions were not so moist. Instead, we're going to see rapid crop development. A front, a front this week also in the Midwest will produce periods of rain. That, along with the heat, will offer some good growing conditions. Thunderstorms in the northern plains the next couple of days will lessen any stressful impact from the heat. In the southern plains, wheat areas, hot and dry weather will continue to stress the crops in the western areas. And the southern plains, eastern areas, will have better soil moisture and periods of thunderstorms continue their favoring crop progress. Across the Black Sea region of Ukraine and western Russia, periods of rain this week will benefit the summer crops and wheat in the late stage. For France and Germany and Western Europe, there will be a continued chance for rain this week that benefits their wheat crop. All right, very good. Well, <clears throat> nothing horribly organized uh, for us as far as storms or anything. Exactly. And, you know, if we do see some storms, that potential of some severe weathers, especially as we get that growing instability with all the moisture, mm-hmm. then going up against this cold front as it does move through the region today. Looks like that better chance of severe weather coming up tomorrow. Once again, western and southern Western, central, and southern Nebraska into northern Kansas. Okay. All right. Very good. We'll keep an eye on all of that for you, of course. Paul, where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. The question the KRVN crew gets most, when are you going to call my initials? For more than 65 years, we've been spinning that monogram money wheel to give you a chance to match your lucky name to our lucky letters. Simple rules, great winnings, awarding more than $200,000 over the course of our rich history. And we won't be satisfied until you're a winner. Mornings with Paul Perkins, afternoons with Brandon Bennett's, Saturday mornings too. Yep, we're still spinning for winning on monogram money, 880-KRVN. What kind of weed pressure are you going to see if pasture is overgrazed? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're talking with Abe Smith. He's with Corteva AgriScience as we look at that pasture and range management. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the primary reasons that we see weeds coming in pastures is where you have open space, where you have good grass competition, where you have grass that has kind of closed up the open spaces. We definitely see anecdotally, and I think even university studies would verify, that when, where you have good competitive grass stands and there's not open space, we see less weed control, weeds being an issue, and maybe a little bit less of a need for weed control, except for some noxious weed concerns, uh, ultimately. But usually, customers that I work with have weeds that are annual concerns. 
uh, weeds that come in. And unless they address them on a regular basis, whether that's once a year or once every other year, or in some cases once in every three years, where they have really good competitive grass stands, um, they can they lose the ability, you know, they lose the uh, the grass production on that acre, and they end up fighting weeds, and it's just a battle. It ends up being a slog. And so, you know, when the going's tough, make sure you're abiding by your raising management plan, doing what you can to make sure you're keeping cattle off in the areas that usually get hammered. It may not be a full pasture that's a problem. It may be 20% of the most trafficked pastures. Make sure you're doing things to help move those cattle out of the most grazed areas and give them things, whether it's moving some water sources or moving mineral or feed or other things to make sure you're getting good utilization of your full pasture. So let's talk about those beloved cedar trees. How much is that taking a toll on our pasture quality? Well, cedar trees have been a a real hair pulling problem for a long, long time for many customers. Uh, You know, realistically, uh, there's still, there's just a handful of options that people have, which might include um, restricted use products like Tordon 22K, to uh, spot treat individual plants or do individual plant treatments. And I'd sure be willing to talk with folks about that. But to date, uh, there's really nothing that's available as a broadcast uh, treatment option that would be, that would give guys a, a lot of hope. It ends up being a lot of labor, a lot of handwork, and making sure early on, uh, as you see seedlings develop, there may be some tactics we could, we could explore individually depending on your pasture and your situation, um, that we might be able to make a a recommendation or two that might be um, differential. What are, Abe, some weeds that we need to be looking out for right now as we walk those pastures, checking fence and getting ready to move livestock? Well, the the big hitters here in Nebraska remain, uh, the number one weed issue would be ragweed, uh, specifically western ragweed and and, uh, to a certain extent common ragweed here in Nebraska. They're the sort of weeds that sneak up on us, and if we don't catch early on, they'll they'll eat your grass up come July and even into August. So ragweed, thistles, um, I get a fair amount of questions on weeds like mullein. I get a fair amount of questions uh, here in the last couple of years on mare's tail. And the good news is, is we have a really solid brand-new product to talk about called Duracore, which is a combination of two exciting chemistries that are uh, to the most uh, recently added chemistries to the ranging pasture marketplace that do a wonderful job of knocking down weeds that are existing. That's Abe Smith with Corteva AgriScience. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Omar Manning is going to be in Lincoln sooner rather than later. The Kilgore, Texas Junior College star reportedly wrapped up his associate's degree in recent days and is expected to be on campus at Nebraska by the weekend. Now, his last hurdle will be his official transcript. That needs to be approved by NU. Once that happens, he will be able to report. Manning is the second-best overall junior college prospect in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. Now, the Huskers held their first voluntary workout since the shutdown yesterday. More and more universities are looking to open back up, and ESPN's Adam Rittenberg talks about how things are developing. You know, and the Big Ten is really leaving it up to the individual schools. Ohio State has said that they're going to uh, you know, follow next week, along with Iowa and some others. But then uh, you know, Northwestern, for example, they're in finals, and so they're not going to have 
their athletes back until later in the month. And, you know, that's going to be, again, just different school to school, region to region. The- Rittenberg was a guest last night on Sports Nightly. McCook native Noah Hoffman is a finalist for the Jack Nicklaus National Player of the Year Award. Hoffman played the last two seasons at the NAIA's Ottawa University in Arizona. Now, the award is presented to the nation's top collegiate golfer. He's enjoyed success at a lot of different levels. He was a two-time Class B state champion at McCook. He also was an All-American at Southeast Community College before he headed to the Southwest. He ended this past season as the NAIA's top-ranked golfer. He won or finished tied for first in five of his seven events. It was under par in 15 of his 20 rounds. Basketball Hall of Famer Wes Unseld, who led Washington to its only NBA championship, has passed away at the age of 74. Unseld is one of just two players in NBA history to win Rookie of the Year in MVP honors in the same season. He died yesterday after a series of health issues. He was a powerful six foot seven, 245-pound center who dominated as a rebounder and led Washington squad, then known as the Bullets, to the 1978 NBA championship. He also earned finals MVP honors. He was a five-time All-Star who played all 13 of his NBA seasons in Washington. And the college football season opener between Notre Dame and Navy has been moved out of Ireland because of the pandemic. Now, the Fighting Irish and Midshipmen were scheduled to meet in Dublin on October 29th, but instead will now seek to play at the Naval Academy during the Labor Day weekend. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. One person died along with several head of cattle when a westbound pickup hauling a livestock trailer loaded with cattle left Highway 89 between Lebanon and Danbury and struck an embankment. The Red Willow County Sheriff's Office was notified of the crash yesterday shortly before 11 a.m. Chief Deputy Sheriff Joe Cutter says the pickup became disengaged from the trailer in the crash. The Chief Deputy did not release the name of the pickup driver who was declared dead at the scene Cutter believed the driver of the pickup lived in Furnace County. Of the cattle being hauled, four were killed in the crash and six were euthanized later. Highway 89 remained open to through traffic during the investigation. McCook and Beaver Valley EMS units responded to the scene as well as the Nebraska State Patrol. Governor Pete Ricketts says acts of violence are not the way to address the problems that face minorities when it comes to equal access to justice and how they are treated by law enforcement. Ricketts, addressing reporters at a news briefing about coronavirus, said violence and chaos by a small minority of protesters takes away from the real issues. And justice must be served for George Floyd. And to the folks out there who are hurting, we hear you. We know we must continue to work to be able to provide that equal access to justice for our minority communities. Ricketts said although the protesters followed the death of George Floyd, breached the state's social distancing restrictions, he said concerns about spreading the coronavirus had to be weighed against the right to free speech. The governor plans only two briefings this week instead of daily appearances. The next will be on Thursday. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly says a team she appointed to help her plan for Kansas's economic recovery from the coronavirus pandemic We'll begin discussing this week how to spend $1.25 billion in federal relief funds. The Democratic governor also said that she's confident she can work out an agreement with the Republican-controlled legislature in Kansas to give them some oversight over how the funds are spent. 
Kelly said the money has to be distributed by the end of the year, and she expects the first round of spending will include payments to cities and counties to cover their coronavirus-related costs. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. We're learning more today about the ethanol industry as we go cruising with biofuels. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Roger Berry is administrator of the Nebraska Ethanol Board, and he talked to me about the importance of the ethanol industry to Nebraska and beyond. It's meant a great deal to the industry. The the fact that uh, we're able to now go into many retailers and fill our cars up with a fuel that's even cleaner than what E10 was. You're talking 50% more ethanol uh, in that fuel. That confuses people sometimes because they say, well, E15... That's just 5% more. But when you look at it, it's actually 50% more ethanol uh, that you're using in your vehicle, which just contributes that much more to cleaner air that we all get to breathe. We um, have a lot of retailers now who are getting very interested in this. And as we celebrate this one-year anniversary of E15, more and more retailers are starting to hear from the customers that they need to have that. And we are starting to see that infrastructure grow now and more and more people able to get E15 at their local retailer, wherever they fill up at. Let's do some basic education. Um, E10, E15, what does that mean to anybody, ag or non-ag, going to that pump to fuel? Right. Anytime you see that E on there, that means that it's a blend that has ethanol in it. If you see the E10, that means that there's 10% ethanol in there. If you see the E15, it means that there's 15% ethanol in that fuel. So the higher the percentage of ethanol, the cleaner that fuel is going to be. And the, the really neat part about that is just about every car on the road today, any car that's 2001 or newer, can fill up with E15, and it's not going to hurt the car one bit. It's actually better for the car. It's going to, to really um, clean, keep things cleaner in your engine and in your fuel lines and better for the air that we all breathe. And as more and more flex fuel vehicles come online, there's more and more opportunities to expand that percentage of ethanol you're putting in your vehicle. There is, yes. Uh, Sometimes you'll pull up to a station where they have uh, E30 or E85. Those are fuels to be used in in flex fuel vehicles. And uh, we're actually working on technologies with the auto companies to where every vehicle would run on about an E30 blend. That's really where the greatest efficiencies can be uh, found by using ethanol as at, that, at about that E30 blend. And uh, it's, it's making use of higher compression engines and it's taking advantage of the octane that is in ethanol because that's what ethanol is. Ethanol is an excellent source of octane and that, that the higher the compression in that engine becomes, the greater the efficiency for that vehicle. So we're actually seeing vehicles that can increase their miles per gallon by using more ethanol. What is the ethanol industry in Nebraska doing to promote the use of E15 and beyond? We continue to do what we've done in the past. That is putting messages out there of trying to get people to to understand what they've been told over the past 30 to 40 years of the fact that, oh, don't use that ethanol. That'll ruin your engine. It's simply not true. We have millions and millions of cars running on E15 today. There's even some flex fuel cars who, um, uh, or I'm sorry, some cars that aren't flex fuel running on E30. We are doing a a test here in the state of Nebraska with our fleet 
on regular cars that would normally run on E10 or E15 running on E30, and we've been doing that test for a year now. And you know, miraculously, none of those cars have died and been left sitting along the side of the road, as we often hear will happen if you put that in your car. We have seen organizations like NASCAR, for example, continue to push the utilization of E15 in those race cars. But I love the fact that we're seeing the push now for boats when you're going out to do that summer fishing with your family. Absolutely. Uh, There's a a big misunderstanding in the boating world that if they put that ethanol in there, it's going to suck moisture right out of the air and and pool moisture in their fuel tanks, which then is going to ruin their engine. Now, Ethanol is a, a subject that, or a, 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 a atom that will attract moisture. Uh, nobody disagrees with that. But under normal use and normal maintenance to that engine, you're not going to have any trouble with it. We have an organization called Crappie Masters where they use nothing but E10 in their boats, and none of those boaters have any trouble with it. So I, I just, if you're a boater or even a motorcycle rider, I, I just encourage you to, to give it a try in your motorcycle or in your boat and uh, use your normal maintenance that you would do when you're done using that at the end of the year. Make sure that you're uh, doing what you need to with that fuel or even draining the fuel out of the system, which is just normal for any seasonal type use of engine. Is there anything else that you would like to add in regards to the ethanol industry in the state of Nebraska? You know, right now, of course, uh, the ethanol industry is going through a really, really tough spot um, across the nation, not only in Nebraska, but across the nation. I just want to urge everybody to use as much ethanol as you can. If your local retailer doesn't have uh, E15, ask them to to work with uh, the entities around Nebraska that can help them to put that E15 in. If we all do our part here in the state of Nebraska and use the E15 that's available, that helps our ethanol plants. That helps our rural communities. That's Roger Berry with the Nebraska Ethanol Board, and we're cruising with biofuels. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks have been trading a little bit higher on Wall Street despite deepening unrest across the U.S. As investors hope that the gradual lifting of lockdown provisions will help economies recover from the damage caused by the coronavirus outbreak. The S&P 500 rose four-tenths of a percent in the first hour of trading. The gains were led by stocks that would stand to benefit the most from a growing economy, including banks and industrial companies, price of crude oil rose again, which helped energy companies. Bond yields rose slightly, another sign that pessimism was ebbing among investors. Sales at Land's End fell 17.3% in the first quarter due to weakening demand caused by the virus outbreak. The retailer has taken several steps to cut costs and improve its financial flexibility, including implementing furloughs and temporarily reducing salaries for executives and corporate staff. Land's End said it is cutting about 10% of its corporate staff in the second quarter. Russian President Vladimir Putin has instructed his government to take quick steps to repair economic damage from the coronavirus pandemic. The country's prime minister reporting today to Putin that the cabinet's plan contains measures designed to stimulate economic growth, raise incomes, and reduce unemployment. 
It envisions spending about $73 billion until December 2021. A partial economic shutdown that Putin ordered in late March to stem the country's outbreak badly hurt an economy already battered by a sharp drop in oil prices. Few companies have been so ideally positioned to thrive during the coronavirus pandemic as Zoom video communications. Millions of employees around the world are using video communications platforms like Zoom as they shift to working from home. Zoom will serve up its first quarter results today. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. On the last Rural Radio Forum. The census is particularly important for rural folks. It determines the funding and the representation for our communities, and it helps us ensure that we're receiving our fair share of the federal resources that we have already paid back in for a whole host of things from schools to health care to housing to roads as well as rural development farm programs all of those things three primary modes online at my2020census.gov or you can fill out the paper form that should have now arrived at most residences then you can also uh, complete the form by phone this is how we uh, determine our legislative districts we'll use that data to set the who's going to be our state senator or how that office will be elected for the next 10 years. It's important that everybody be counted as part of the census. And so we really want Nebraskans to continue to do the great work they've done already in filling out that census. Listen to the podcast at krvn.com. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Alfalfa has a couple of key pests in Nebraska, aphids and the alfalfa weevil. It is the latter which could become a bigger problem where two factors are playing into an increase of the bugs. Jeff Bradshaw, UNL entomologist at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center in Scotts Bluff, says when the weevils move back in the fields in the fall, they lay eggs, and typically the eggs don't survive. But in recent years, they've been, with our mild winters, um, those eggs have been surviving. And so one complication that some of our growers have witnessed has been the appearance of um, more than one generation occurring in the spring because of that overwintering survival of both the adults, which is normal, uh, and then the abnormal survival of the eggs in the the, uh, alfalfa stems through the winter. The other problem, which has been documented and confirmed in some areas, is the resistance to insecticides by some populations of weevils. Bradshaw says there have been reports of resistance to pyrethioid insecticides in California. Very recently, there's been uh, reports of um, control insecticide control failures in Kansas. And uh, my colleague in, down in Garden City, Sarah Zuckoff, has been working on uh, evaluating the degree of that um, resistance developing in those populations. And she's found high level of of survival of larvae after treatment of a pyrethroid class of insecticide, organophosphates, and even endoxicarb or Stewart, which is another uh, recently commonly used uh, more specific uh, insecticide uh, for weevils. Bradshaw says in Nebraska there could be development of resistant strains of weevils. All of this is creating problems between the producers and ag field agents. It wasn't clear to the producer if the failure was due to misapplication of insecticide, and I think that's where some of them uh, have immediately gravitated toward, but uh, I think as Sarah's finding out, it's not really misapplication. It's, at least in their case in Kansas, where they've tested, seems to be the development um, in a fairly widespread basis of, of resistance to a, a number of different 
classes of insecticides are commonly used for alfalfa weevil control. Bradshaw says the tendency for producers when they see more pests is to increase the rate of concentration or frequency of pesticides. He also discusses how the increase of pesticides could kill off beneficial insects in alfalfa. We could get ourselves caught in a, in a kind of a vicious cycle of, you know, the insecticide not giving us adequate control and then we end up with mistimings uh, to try to get control. But in the effort to do that, uh, end up cleaning our field of any sort of regulatory you know, natural controls that we might have out in the field uh, that would keep the population suppressed otherwise. So, Right now, COVID-19 has put a damper on travel, which would allow researchers to evaluate and share populations of weevils. If we can, uh, we'll try to get some populations of alfalfa weevil um, down to Sarah uh, or maybe at CSU because they're doing some testing there as well. Uh, to try to evaluate some of our fields to see if there are resistant populations. And if that's possible to be done this year, um, at the very least, we've talked about lining up some studies for next year, more of a region-wide basis um, between mm, perhaps Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, Wyoming, and um, in Nebraska. Bradshaw says could be that Nebraska doesn't have any resistant weevils, but they won't know until they learn more and investigate. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Play Pat on the Rural Radio Network. I'm talking now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, looking here, Chinese news helps soybeans, but how much follow-through buying can we see here? We still see really strong crops that are planted and emerging well for corn and soybeans. Yeah, I agree. Um, you get a little bit. Uh, we'll see what happens early. I think it's Friday the index will start, so that's when every every all the uh, spec longs in the index funds will then roll out to December. So I think that'll be kind of that combined with the WASD would be something I would be cognizant of. I just wouldn't chase strength. All right, if you see the market higher, I think you put an order down. You know, three to four cents lower. Odds are we're going to see it here in the near term at least through the July delivery. After that, I think what's, you know, more likelihood of trading higher. And I think, uh, you know, if we can get some good news, uh, we're like peak bearish news right now, peak bad news, it feels like. So hopefully we capitulate a little bit here and things turn around. When we look here at the exports, great to see that soybeans are started moving today, but that's for the next marketing year. We saw quite a deficit to make up here for the current 1920 marketing year. Can we get there in time? I don't think so. That doesn't mean they'll bring it down, though. You know, the USDA has been kind of fickle in those numbers, and sometimes they'll estimate more in certain times of the of the month. So I think my thought would be, you know, wait for the lousy to pass. I like beans. I think the weather looks a little bit more friendly to beans, if you want to call it that, um, just given that, you know, the folks in Kansas, I think that's who you're going to worry about. Those those fringe acres down south of you guys, they don't have the irrigation on a lot of the beans that they're growing, so... You know, dry land, things like that are going to be uh, um, something to watch this summer. So I think soybeans have more upside, but, you know, the China thing is, it's it's gotten pretty ridiculous at this point. I think you really have to just kind of watch what they do and not really listen to what they say, because if, if we were going to punish China, we'll put tariffs on them. And if they want to punish us, they'll put tariffs on what we import. And they didn't neither of those things during this last kind of, argument they had the u.s and china uh over the hong kong issue so 
like I said, at this point, it's kind of peak bad news. Hopefully things turn around here in the near term and we get some, some sunshine. It sounds like uh, Chicago is going to open up. So an opening of the general economy would certainly help, I think, in the stock market is pointing towards good news. So I'm just, I just can't be too bearish here in the long run. But in the short run, I just think we're, we're going to be choppy at best. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. You can sign up for that newsletter at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. Well, that'll wrap up today's midday program here on KRVN. If you missed any of our interviews or any of our segments, you can hear that at krvn.com on the Midday Podcast or on iTunes. Our Midday Podcast is sponsored by Deveni Motor. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DeveniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Deveni deal.